What's going on? Welcome to another edition of Let's Do It Live featuring your host, the People's Commish and the Pizza Baron. Uh, we're using a different form of recording software this evening, so please bear with us. But we think the audio is going to be much better than it has um, in past podcasts. Yeah, I use my gift cards from Christmas to get me an Amazon uh, microphone. It's it's working really well for me, hopefully. Uh, do you know what to do with your hands um, during the podcast yet, or is that still something that we're working on? I'm just happy behind the scenes. I'm happy there's no video of this podcast because I probably look like an idiot. Well, you and me both, bud. Well, uh, Daniel from Topeka, Kansas, we got a great episode for you tonight. Um, hang, hang on, hang on. Speaking of which, before we get into that, I, I believe the, when I was a guest on Beers, Bros, and Blazers. You, we were talking about the guilty pleasure songs. Yes, we were. And you said that if Daniel from Topeka, Kansas, were to reach out to you with a guilty pleasure song, that you would sing the hook live on the podcast. Is it true that he he emailed you last week? Yes. Yeah. For Daniel and the seven other listeners out there, I did receive an email from Topeka, Kansas, saying that we missed one of the more epic sing-alongs in the history of sing-alongs, especially drunken sing-alongs, and that is Living on a Prayer by Bon Jovi. And I can't believe that we missed this one. Frankly, I'm a bit embarrassed that, that we did. I'm, I'm embarrassed for you because now you have to sing it. So just because I don't want to butcher this, uh, even further, I'm looking up the words to living on a prayer. Um, I am renowned for not being able to remember the lyrics to songs, so I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to butcher this too bad, but can I just go yeah, with the chorus? Fine. Okay, this is going to be like um, the guy from Pumpcast <laughs> News. You need the no, <laughs> I know, him, baby. <laughs> I'm an 80s kid. All right. Bon Jovi? Whoa, we're halfway there. Whoa, living on a prayer. Take my hand and we'll make it, I swear. Whoa, living on a prayer. Living on a prayer. Woo! I, I can That's almost guarantee the number of listeners dropped from eight to two just from that. Yeah. But I loved it. Yeah. Hey, I'm a man of my word. Uh, a Stinson slash the People's Commission always pays his debts. So glad we got that out of the way. <laughs> Daniel from Topeka, Kansas. That one was for you, bud. <sighs> wow. Well, now that we're down uh, 75% <laughs> listeners. <laughs> All right. We got a good episode for you tonight. Um, just four quick topics. We're going to roll through this, give you something to listen to on your commute on a Thursday morning. So we're going to begin with the college football realm. Um, ESPN released their preseason rankings. You got the Urban Meyer scandal and you got Jimmy Harbaugh, not talking about khakis, but chicken as a weak protein. And since the pizza baron is down in the heart of Buckeye country, Let's get his viewpoint of the Urban Meyer scandal and kind of what it means for the future of the Ohio State Buckeyes. Pizza Baron reporting live from Lewis Center, Ohio, which is approximately 20 minutes north of Columbus, where Urban Meyer and the Ohio State Buckeyes reside. Um, 
those of you might be wondering, why would a Michigan man move to Columbus? Well, I am the pizza baron. I'm trying to take over the franchise game. We, we, my family and I franchise Jets pizzas in the Columbus area, surrounding area. City's been very good to us. Um, I'm trying to be, become the king. Right now, I'm just the squire of the pizza game. But that's neither here nor there. Um, so Urban Myers broke. The story broke earlier today. And let me tell you, the mood in Columbus is I've never seen it lower. Like they have no way to defend this guy. You know, at first um, the reports came out and people were denying it, but I mean, there's just so much evidence like building up against this guy. I think, I think he's toast. So for those of you who haven't been following the news, um, one of urban Myers wide receivers coach, Zach Smith was brought up on domestic violence charges last week when he violated a restraining order and trespassed against his girlfriend, Courtney Smith. So he was fired last week. It was a big story in Columbus. Uh, On Big Ten Media Day, Urban Meyer denied ever knowing anything about any domestic violence um, between Zach Smith and his wife, Courtney Smith. So then today, a story leaked that there was multiple instances in 2015 where domestic violence was chart or it, it was never brought up on police charges but there were stories that leaked that he allegedly choked his wife in 2015 in front of their three-year-old daughter um never reported but there's text messages between courtney smith and shelly meyer allegedly where courtney smith is telling urban's wife shelly about the abuse and how he's choked her and Shelly Meyer is saying, you know, no woman should have to go through that. Um, you know, anything that you need, I'm, we're here for you. We want to know how you're doing. We care about the kids. If you even need groceries, yada, yada, yada. Um, at one point, she says that she's going to let Urban know about the abuse. But Courtney Smith came back and she's not sure if Urban was ever notified via Shelly. Now... Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm sorry. I'm rambling here. A couple things about that. So at Ohio state, they have, I don't know if it's a bylaw, but it's, it's title nine, any student faculty coach, what, what have you from Ohio state, if they hear of any sexual violence, domestic violence, anything of that nature, it's, they have to report it within five business days or else they are in violation of their Ohio state contract and can be terminated. So Shelly Meyer she works at Ohio State. She's a nurse. I think she, she might be a part of the faculty. I don't know if she teaches there or what. I'm, it's a little foggy. So she's in violation of Title IX for not bringing it up to, you know, the, the higher-up administrators. And Urban would also be in violation of his contract. So if true, and he knew about these domestic violence events, because I'm sure his wife told him, right, back in 2015. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he could be his contract's terminated as well. He's already on paid leave. He could be out the door. I don't know. People, people are freaking out. This is really just a, a bizarre situation. Not that uh, let's do it live would ever condone such behavior between a husband and wife or ex-wife, depending on what year it was when it happened. But to just come out after media day and then just escalate to this point where he's on paid leave. Um, You have 
in the Big Ten specifically, like um, you have the whole Michigan State Larry Nasser thing in recent memory. So I wouldn't be surprised to to see him be fired um, just because this is such a hot button issue, um, especially in Big Ten Big Ten sports. You never want a guy to lose his job, but if this is true, this is devastating. And just in the world in general, you know, in the last year we've seen a lot of the Me Too movement. Um, mm-hmm. And, I mean, all we've seen so many, like, high-profile people go down for stuff that's happened, you know, years in the past. This is just a couple of years ago. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, Urban, he's in the hot seat, that's for sure. And for Ohio State to respond by putting him on leave so quickly – you just know that the evidence is mounting up against them and that they got, they're trying to get out in front of it. Yeah. I think they're really trying to save face and say, Hey, as soon as this came to our attention, we started to take action. And um, not that it's guilty until proven innocent, but if this does turn out to be true, they've started to distance themselves from urban Meyer and, and his brand. And that's probably in the long run, the right call. For right. Ohio State. There, there's so many interesting pieces to this story, though. So um, Zach Smith, the guy who's being accused and, you know, the coach that was fired, is the grandson of Earl Bruce, who was an Ohio State coach that Urban Meyer coached under, I think, right after Woody Hayes. He was a successor to Woody Hayes. So that's an interesting piece. Um, also Zach Smith coached with urban Meyer when he was at Florida in 2009 and, and it came out of the woodwork that there was accusations from 2009. They were out at a, you know, a Florida football gathering. Zach Smith came home drunk to his, I don't know if they were married at the time or engaged, whatever to Courtney, who was eight to 10 weeks pregnant at the time. Zach Smith comes home with another woman and tries to convince Courtney to let her spend the night. She says no and drives the girl home. Zach Smith, when uh, Courtney gets back, chokes his pregnant wife. And in 2009, allegedly, Urban got wind of this. And he told the higher-ups and made a, made a phone call. And he said nothing came of it. Well, the story is coming out of the word work now that uh, allegedly, Earl Bruce went to Courtney's house and told, convinced her not to press charges against his grandson. So maybe it starts, here's my theory. If you're Urban Meyer, what reason do you have to cover this up, right? So I'm thinking mm-hmm. in 2009, it's just a case of, you know, maybe he's being loyal to, you know, Earl Bruce. You know, he's, he's doing him a favor, doesn't want to get his grandson fired, right? But now all the Florida stuff happens. Urban fakes his heart attack escapes the heat the aaron hernandez controversy all of that stuff it's now 2015 this stuff comes up and you got to believe that urban gets wind of it from his wife right you you have to believe now Mm -hmm. he's in a tight spot right he he can say something and fire the zach smith guy but urban in the back of his mind probably thinking hey if i take this guy down He's, he's got some dirt on me from Florida and over the years. Anything Shady Urban's ever done, this guy knows about. So, you know, Urban's trying to protect his own reputation. 
by not reporting to the authorities that this poor girl is getting beaten. That's my take, my hot take. I don't think it's very much a hot take. I think you're just stating the facts. That's probably the longest I've heard you talk in a uh, single, on a single topic for hey, a long time. you know, time. something happens in your own backyard, um, you got to be on top of it. Exactly. And that's why we have you down there in Lewis Center, Ohio, reporting live, painting us word pictures, much like Jim Nance on uh, CBS. So, <laughs> so, you know, I, I'm much less uh, educated on this entire scandal going on. You know, I've read things that there was an incident in 09, 15, um, you know, both at Florida and Ohio State. There's been cover up, this and that. And I think... I think there's a lot of evidence out there showing that Urban Meyer at least was aware of this. You know, I reference Michigan State um, and that whole debacle and how the uh, leaders of the university did not handle that well. And ultimately, the whole university is paying the price. Um, you think back even a little further beyond that, you, you see um, what happened to Joe Paterno at Penn State. Did he know about Jerry Sandusky or not? Uh, doesn't matter. Things happened under his watch, and he was um, responsible for, for what happened. And I think that leads me to my point that regardless how much Urban Meyer knew or not, um, it sounds like he was at least aware of these potential situations and you have someone doing this multiple times, uh, it's your responsibility as a leader to um, remove yourself from that. Like he, he should not have continued to allow Zach Smith to coach under him at both Florida and Ohio state. I don't care uh, what lineage you have from the legendary coaching tree that is, um, you know, Earl Bruce, but I, don't, I think a lot of times there's, there's a moment where as a leader, you're accountable for the actions of those under you. And if you don't make a call, um, the right call, the difficult call, it's going to come back to haunt you. And this just has the same feeling. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it's too bad too, because, you know, back to the title nine thing, Urban's wife's going down too. So mm -hmm. he's dragging himself through the mud, hers through the mud. I mean, you, you got to wonder, like, I just don't understand what took this so long to come out. Like, so, so Zach Smith gets, he finally gets fired last week. This incident happened three years ago. So you would think like the wife, the wife sees that, you know, her ex-husband is fired she should be happy now right but now she's going farther to take is she trying to take ohio state down or do you think zach smith has something to do with it that that's a difficult question to answer i i have to imagine that they're estranged um one of the articles that i was looking at while you were um updating our two listeners on the entire situation said that, you know, it's his ex-wife, Courtney Smith. And um, maybe it's something to do with the political climate that um, the Me Too movement that they, she feels more comfortable coming out at this time. Um, 
with Very her story possible. or, or it could be, you know what? I had to keep quiet about this. I didn't feel comfortable at that time. People should know who this guy is because I feel like he hasn't changed and it, it could be a whole number of things. Um, but at the end of the day, if this truly did happen to Courtney Smith, I applaud her for coming forward and sharing her story and trying to stop it from happening again. I, I definitely agree with that. Um, so I will say there's a couple of things that I was a little bit skeptical about. Just, you know, just trying to make for conversation here. I'm not, like you said, we would never yep. condone any sort of domestic violence or, you know, try to prove anyone innocent that would do something like that but so the the text messages that i saw online between you know courtney and um shelly meyer and then the text messages between um courtney and Lindsay Votolini, who is the one of urban's like long time um i don't know i guess understudies uh brian Votolini, who's now at ohio state i think he's the director of football operations there was text between um, Courtney and Lindsay Votolini about where it says Urban Urban knows he doesn't know what to think. So, I mean that there you know is is more against Urban. It's it's more evidence against him. But in the t- the thing that I was skeptical about is in the text messages it just says you know at the top where the name would be on an iPhone Shelly, or at the top of the iPhone you know Lindsay. So, I mean. You just, there's just like no is it actually their phone like do we have proof of that is it actually their phone numbers like i don't know i was just a little skeptical that it's possible that it could be like kind of a, a staged attempt to like use text messages against against them in the case mm-hmm. yeah um i think a lot goes into that in terms of determining where the texts are coming from, verifying that it's owned by the person in question. I'm just pulling up, you know, Brett McMurphy had this long Facebook right. post uh, showing pictures um, that Courtney Smith took of herself um, after one of these incidents. And I mean, it's pretty damning um, if this is as a result of, of Zach Smith. Uh, we're getting pretty deep into this, but, you know, just to kind of wrap it up, um, you know, I'm sure this will be sorted out in the, in the proper way. You kind of have, or at least the hope that um, the people in charge at OSU um, make the right decision. Um, if it comes out that you know, Urban Meyer and Shelly Meyer knew about this and didn't come forward. You know, that's something that they will have to deal with and live with. Um, not really sure how to talk about Zach Smith right now, but you know, I'm sure karma will come around and, and find him if he really did this. I, um, I mean, maybe there's criminal charges in the in the future, but I'm not I'm not up to date on the statute of limitation for filing a domestic abuse claim. Um, I, it, I don't know if three years have passed, if you're still allowed yeah. to do that, but yeah. I, I certainly believe that Zach Smith is, you know, guilty. I think, I think he's absolutely, 
you know, kind of a scumbag. But I mean, it's all a question of how much how much Urban knew. When did he find out? And did he do anything about it? But you know, at media day, he completely denied any knowledge of any events in the past. So that's that's mm. just a bad look. Now, absolutely. Now, just to you know, finally wrap up the topic on the Big Ten scandal. I guess spectrum. Does would would you go Sandusky, Nasser, and then would this be number three if true? I this would be number three regardless. Um, I think if you think about the scope of, uh, I mean, you don't really want to compare. No. All like one incident is too many, in my book. Um, but just just thinking about maybe maybe it's the recency bias or um, the amount of victims that were harmed by Larry Nasser, but I I think that one is the most like egregious um, in Big Ten scandals. Um, not saying that I, I'm trying not to compare, but that one, yeah, it's the most egregious in my book, and the Penn State absolutely terrible and if this comes out to be true this is just another instance of um the higher-ups hiding unacceptable behavior to save their own brand and i think if they start to think of it as if this happens under me i mean everyone makes mistakes right um but if you address the mistakes and you let that person go um and you address the situation, you say, I was made aware of it. It's unacceptable. We can't have that here. We parted ways. I think that goes a long way um, in terms of showing the character of you as a manager, as you as a leader, versus trying to hide it to save face. Because truth always comes out. Right. right? All right. That was probably the deepest topic. We'll ever get into uh, Probably. Uh, I mean... Never say never, hashtag Bieber, but um, (laughs) (laughs) let's go into some lighter college football topics. So Wilton Spate was recently interviewed. He has transferred from the University of Michigan to play quarterback for the UCLA Bruins, and he was telling a story that Jim Harbaugh told him not to eat chicken because it is a scared bird and it is somehow affecting the human race to make them all scared in general, and that he should focus on eating, he should only eat proteins such as beef and pork. Initial thoughts, Pizza Man. I mean, I think it's hilarious, A. Um, B, Harbaugh is just a, a weird, weird guy. You know, I, I want to I buy into his madness. I really do. Mm-hmm. But when you make a statement like that, I mean, it's it's kind of tough <laughs> to not be, you know, a little bit scrutinized by the college football world when something like that comes out. I, I know Harbaugh loves his whole milk. He loves his khaki pants. He kind of is on the sidelines looking like a Halloween costume half the time. But uh, this this scared bird thing, I think it takes the cake or maybe weirdest, weirdest thing he said. <laughs> I would say it's definitely top three. Um, the funniest part is Wilton Spate ends the interview saying, like, he wasn't being funny. He 100% believes that the scared chicken is making the human race 
more like tentative. And the <laughs> like he he believes. I mean, it. he's chickens he, are a pretty scared bird. Yeah, a chicken can get its head cut off and still run around. So I I mean, isn't that? <laughs> Someone made the joke that isn't that what you want with a quarterback? Keep the head on the swivel and run around. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, he, I don't know. So, so going further, um, touching on that topic, I know you're talking about the FBS rankings were released. Now, mm-hmm. I know Ohio, I, what, it was Alabama, then Clemson, correct? Al- yeah, let me just run through. Um, Let's go through the top 15. So it includes Michigan. We're a very self-serving yes. podcast. So Alabama one, two Clemson, three Ohio State, four, four is Georgia, five is Washington, six is Wisconsin, seven Oklahoma, eight Penn State, nine Miami, 10 Auburn, 11 Notre Dame, 12 Michigan, 15 Michigan State, 14 Stanford, 15 Virginia Tech. So just immediate reaction for me is Michigan is ranked fourth in the Big Ten in this top 15 poll. You got Ohio State ahead of them, Wisconsin, Penn State, then Michigan, and right behind them, Michigan State. It, it just – I don't know if it's, you know, some preseason Kool-Aid drinking – but we've spent so many years, the majority of the past decade and a half, hearing about how great the SEC conference is, the SEC is, and how much stronger they are than the Big Ten, and how the Big Ten is inferior in terms of Power Five conferences. And to see five Big Ten teams in the top 15 is telling me that we're not so much a joke anymore. So that's, that's my big takeaway. Um, obviously very self-serving focus on Michigan. Um, so seeing Michigan at 12 for you, was that, was that high? Did you think, or did you expect him to be higher? No, I, I personally think it's high. I I think they should be in the top 25. Absolutely. But let's, let's look back at the 2017 season. Um, they had a lot of guys drafted, uh, in the April, 2017 draft, a lot of guys in the first round. Uh, they had a very strong underachieving team in 2016, mind you. Um, they were one of the younger teams in the nation. They had a very, very strong defense. Um, at times, I thought they were overhyped as well. And I say overhyped, meaning, you know, they were a bit in, inexperienced, um, kind of had some big letdowns in big games not taking away from their talent level or their potential. Um, just I, the big J journos tend to um, overstate Michigan potential at times. And I felt like they really put a lot of emphasis on the defense last year, being able to carry the team to uh, the college football playoffs. And obviously that didn't happen. But with that being said, everyone's a year older. They got a lot of returners. They got, Shea Patterson, five-star recruit, transferred from Ole Miss. You know, sound like a broken record, but apparently the dude can play. He's ranked in the top five for quarterbacks in the draft for 2019. So that's that's just showing. I mean, he's only a junior. He has two years of eligibility, and there are 
the uh, Mel Kuyper, Todd McShay brain trust is already thinking that he's going to be one of the first three quarterbacks drafted next year, let alone if he stays for another year and continues to achieve great things. But that's a very long-winded way of saying, I think they'll be good, but I do not believe the preseason hype of being ranked number 12. They open up at Notre Dame. I don't care what Notre Dame is ranked going into the preseason. Going to South Bend to open a season is it's a little scary. All that is a rivalry game. I mean, obviously, Michigan Ohio State is the biggest rivalry game in in our minds. But Michigan State Michigan is up there, and I would say the third biggest game is against Notre Dame. I love beating them. I love beating the Irish, um, but playing in South Bend is tough, and and Notre Dame has a lot of returning players. Not a huge fan of Brian Kelly, but first games, I don't care who you're playing. You got a lot of things to work out. You're, you've been playing offense against defense in the Schembechler Hall where everyone looks like a five-star recruit. And then you go out and play, it's – it's a completely different situation and I am not confident that the Wolverines are going to be ready. Come kickoff. Yeah. uh, I'm certainly not confident either. Um, I do think them being ranked 12 was a lot, if not all Shea Patterson Kool-Aid. I mean, they Mm -hmm. have a couple good returners on, you know, they got Devin Bush and Rashad Gary on defense. So their defense, you know, their, their two best players returning. Um, hopefully, Peoples Jones and Black can do some stuff at wide receiver this year. But yeah, I mean, it's it all. The first game's the tone setter, right? So you go in, you you show Notre Dame up in their house. Then Michigan's for real. They get the momentum going. Um, if they win that game, I think they got what Wisconsin at home in Ann Arbor. Then they they got they're on the road in East Lansing and in Columbus. Which, yep. I mean, they, they get that win to Notre Dame, and then something happens. Urban Myers canned. I mean, I think they got a chance to win all, at least in East Lansing and Columbus, especially no Urban Meyer. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that, that first game is huge for their confidence, for, you know, how seriously the rest of the college football world takes them. Like, we're ready for Michigan to be the real deal again, and hopefully Shea Patterson can bring that to fruition yeah it's a lot of pressure for a quarterback let alone a first-year quarterback in a new system um i i have to believe he's got talent um i mean i've seen nothing that would lead me to believe he's a fraud but i was i was recently looking at the schedule for michigan and there are five games that really stick out to me as being deciders if it's a good season you know what i'm gonna go even even bolder these five games will determine if it's a bad season or a good season it's binary it's it's one or the other so you open up at notre dame your fourth they play penn game, state too right yeah at, Come on. at home you're just stealing Sorry. my thunder pizza it's a discussion not just us talking at each other yeah <laughs> true <laughs> We should probably get better at that. 
Anyways, so you open up at Notre Dame. Your fourth game is Wisconsin at home. Then two weeks later, you play Penn State at home. And then, oh, no, sorry. October 13th, you play Wisconsin at home. The next week, you play at Michigan State. Then you come back home the first weekend in November to play Penn State at home. Then at the end of November, you finish at the Horseshoe in Columbus with the turkey hangover. So th- with the turkey hangover. So that's five make-or-break games. Those are five games with teams – in the preseason top 15. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, right, I right mean, there. The, the, three and, big ten, the three Big Ten teams are playing alone. Well, outside of Michigan State are all ranked above them. So mm-hmm. that, that's tough. And, it's, a t- it's a tough schedule, no doubt. Yeah, and so I was at lunch recently, and someone will say they're a Spartan fan, was asking me what I predicted for this season. And I honestly believe it's going to be a nine and four season because if if you think about those five games in particular in a potential bowl game, um, that's really, that's, that's a lot to get through. You're, you're going to have to play your best five out of your 12 games, which is not to knock Michigan's past scheduling, but normally they have a few more cupcake games thrown in there to to inflate the record so to speak so to have to have that two of three of those five being on the road i'm just i'm not buying into it yet obviously after the first game if they go down to south bend and they really bring it to brian kelly and the irish shea patterson is throwing touchdowns the tight end spot is looking strong um, with Gentry and McKean. McKean? Is that how you pronounce his name? Uh, then you have Don- Donovan Peoples-Jones and Tariq Black, both healthy, sophomore years. They should be stronger, like you said. Uh, Karan Higdon's coming back at the running back spot. Um, the defense – I mean, you named all the the big players um, that we're all thinking you know, about. You know so, what I see happening, unfortunately, I, which I hope I'm reverse jinxing it right now. You know, I can I can see Michigan winning some big games, like walking into South Bend, taking Notre Dame's lunch money from them. You know, maybe beating a Wisconsin or Penn State at home. I don't think they're going to win both of those games. But, but then I see mm-hmm. them laying an egg against Indiana. Or something like that. Like, that's total Michigan fact. Yep. Um, I, I can see that happening or losing Nebraska, to Northwestern. Northwestern, Nebraska, any of them. Yeah. 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 Yeah, let's not sleep on Nebraska. They got a new coach. They got Scott Frost from UCF uh, who went undefeated last year. These are not lay-down opponents no. like we, we've seen in recent years. So, hopefully – um, Jim Harbaugh, John or Don Brown, uh, Pep Hamilton. They they got these guys all fired up. Maybe they should just watch Last Chance U, just on repeat, and and just get super jacked well, up. It's been a no chicken summer in Ann Arbor, so they definitely won't be. That's they for damn sure. Scared birds running around that campus. 
Yep. So for the two listeners out there, after my sing- live rendition of Living on a Prayer by Bon Jovi, the People's Commish, the Pizza Baron, loyal to Michigan, uneasy about this schedule this year. Fair to I say? I would say fair to say. Um, also, yeah. I, I wanted to bring up that uh, Jim Harbaugh's favorite animal has to be a cow, right? The guy loves beef. He loves fair life milk. I mean, is, is there another competitor other than the cow for the, his most sacred animal? Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he went like top of the food chain, like a, like a lion or a bear, given his stint with the Chicago Bears. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he said a cow is his favorite animal, but I want to believe he'd go with something a little more ferocious, you know, just, just a real meat eater, real gritty animal that he's just out there hunting. Um, I don't, yeah, I don't know. It's either lion, bear, or cow. So fair, some sort of mammal. Fair. Um, (laughs) I mean, what, what we really need this year and sorry to all you possible Michigan state fans out there that might be listening or, Daniel, you know, your your Jayhawks out there in Kansas. Um we what we really need on this podcast is we need some big wins against Michigan State and Ohio State this year from Jim Harbaugh. You know, the the guys had three years to to get his shit together. Um he he's, he's one in five one against in five those against opponents. opponents. Those those two games mean the most to any Michigan fan. So he he's got to pull out some victories in those games. There, there's just no doubt about it. Otherwise, you know, he's going to be on the hot seat come next summer. Yeah. And um, when I was having this conversation again, I said, we can go, we as the University of Michigan football team. I don't know why I said we. I've never no, you're part of it. been yeah. any you sort of women's athletic soccer. I did, I did, but I was not on the football team. They cut me from kicker, so you know, hashtag me. Um, <laughs> backup, backup holder. I was just, I was just taking the punt blocks. We were playing NFL blitz, and I was just the guy who turtled. <laughs> Anyways, um, I was saying they could go eleven and two this year, but if they lost to Michigan State and Ohio State for those two losses, I would still be disappointed because. Because then you think about all those other opponents that you beat and you were not able to truly perform in those big rivalry games that are like, let's be honest, they read the news. They listen to um, sports broadcasts. They know before Michigan State and Ohio State the importance to the fan base in winning those games. And if they were to lose both those games yet still win 11 other games, I, as a Michigan fan, would not feel like that was a successful season. No, I I completely agree with you. Got to got to have those games, no doubt. Maybe we need to bring someone else on here during the Michigan talk on our podcast, so we could just have some like, just like have a certain some, pers- uh, a conflict third perspective. <laughs> yeah, uh, just not a Michigan fan. Yeah, not a not a true Michigan man. All right, so we went pretty deep into college football. You know, obviously the Urban Meyer topic is um, 
at the front of every newspaper had to address it. Jim Harbaugh being Michigan guys, this was too funny to pass up. And, you know, this gives us also an outlet to complain about the team that's let us down for the greater of 15, 16 years. So let's move on to something a little more humorous. Um, the Pete's Baron and I are notorious for watching terrible movies together and absolutely loving them. So we wanted to do a little segment um, talking about those awesomely bad movies that we still love. Pizza Baron, what one, what one is at the top of your list? Awesomely bad movies that we still love. Um, when you posed that question to me earlier, well, actually, you just told me the topic because we're no rehearsal guys. But um, I... Thank you for clarifying that. I we're, thought we're we were going to lose 50% of our last So the first listeners. thing I thought of when I saw that topic was The Mighty Ducks. Now, mm-hmm. I loved that movie. You know, Emilio Estevez, growing up, being a hockey player, went on to play IM hockey in college, which, as you know, is like pro. Um, I just always loved The Mighty Ducks. You know, and, and as a kid, you think it's, like, so well-made. Team USA, Hendrix Hockey, you know, Gordon Bombay does it again. You're drinking that Kool-Aid. And then you get a little older, you know, I, I rewatched it when I was 16, 17 years old, and you realize how cheesy that movie is, how much you really hate Gordon Bombay. And just, like, the way the movie's made is so terrible. Like, anyone that watches hockey, like, Adam Banks is right-handed in the first Mighty Ducks. He's left-handed in D2, and then he's right-handed again, I think, in D3. It just doesn't make sense. There'll be one scene where you have Luis Mendoza skating as fast as he can down the ice he's he goes right-handed to left-handed to right-handed over and over it's it's crazy that they can't pay attention to detail like that it just it just blew my mind you know honestly i thought you were gonna go with can't uh, really wait that's not awesome <laughs> bad that's just a great movie anyone that <laughs> okay all of you listeners out there if you've never seen can't hardly wait it's on netflix it's a phenomenal movie i promise you'll be entertained and then you'll be ordering love burgers. Did someone here order a love burger? <laughs> There's a lot of cameos from big time actors in that movie. You got Jennifer Love Hewitt. Uh, you got Seth Green. Um, yeah, I pretty much named them all, but you get the picture. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I love Can't Hardly Wait, and you made me rent it from the Isn't library Wait, in college. Wait, who plays William Charlie Corsmo? Is that right? He's in that, too. Yes. Yep. So, you know, you have your big names. I'm... Yeah, absolutely. And, it, I mean, it's a coming-of-age tale about just a young man who's hopelessly in love with a girl much prettier than, uh, than him. And it's a story we can, as the Pizza Baron and the People's Commission, can really relate to. Yeah, I agree. It has some great characters. Uh, Mike Dexter is my favorite villain of all time, I think. <laughs> How about nobody, Amanda? Somebody in there called me a fag. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, uh, P- PC, what's, what's yours? What's your awesomely bad movie? You know... I was trying to think of just like a terrible I think you're movie. A rom-com guy. That you scream rom-com. I, I'm more I, I am a rom-com guy through and through. And I and I was trying to think of a terrible movie that I watch 
over and over and over again and think it's just the funniest shit. Um, but I'm, I'm going to throw a curveball okay. here. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to a young version of me of an awful movie that I was forced to watch um, by my cousins growing up, and that was Spice World. With the Can't Spice say I've Girls. ever seen it. You know, it is one of, it might be the definition of awesomely bad movie. It just, it's the Spice Girls essentially saving the world and singing throughout the, the entire movie. That, I feel like that kind of, that might be a younger version of the awesomely bad movie for me. Um, I, I I will say I'm a sucker for. Um... <laughs> what are you listening Sorry. to? <laughs> no, you, are you looking up? You, no, you just made movies? me think of something. But go on, keep talking about your terrible movie. Well, it's it's just a terrible movie in and of itself, and I've probably seen it about thirty five times. So, so you said curveball. You said you were going to throw a curveball. You threw an Ethos pitch. I was not expecting Spice World mm-hmm. from you. What were you expecting? Um, I thought you were going to go like, uh, what's the 17 again with Zac Efron and Chandler? Oh, no, that's just a great like movie. That. I thought you were going to go that route. Maybe, uh, which is also an honorable mention for me, Youngblood with Rob Lowe and Patrick Swayze. Shit, I should have done more research. I kind of panicked, yeah. to be honest. I was looking up awesomely that's, bad. That's what happens because, when you do it live, I guess. Yeah, um, because I, w- I was thinking of movies that I watched just on repeat that aren't essentially the greatest. But I mean, Billy Madison but is that's a like, classic. That's, a good, that's just a good movie. I, I went. It's just a good movie. Uh, you think about, um, I mean, forgetting Sarah Marshall, Great super movie. bad. The great movies, Out Cold, classic that, that, movie. That's that awesome might be bad. one of the best movies awesome ever bad. made. Out Cold is still one of the greatest movies of all time. Maybe that, you know what? Because you disagree with me of it being one of the greatest movies of all time. I mean, I like the that. Movie. Is going to be my pick. Oh, then it's not awesomely bad. I feel like we have to have some conflicts. Some, um, yeah. I mean, that's that's good. I don't know. Um, viewers, uh, Daniel from Kansas. I'm, I'm also receiving word that we have another uh, random listener, um, Donovan from Duluth, Minnesota. If, Ooh, if you guys Donovan. think of any awesome bad movies that maybe we're missing, you know, just shoot us an email. We'll mention it on our next podcast. Uh, you know, again, we're just spitballing here, so we could easily leave some stuff out. But uh, the last thing I thought I was going to hear tonight was Spice World. That's for sure. Hey, and I'm just throwing curveballs. Ephus pitches. Well, apparently Ephus pitches. Um, I'm just, hold on, looking at a couple couple blogs here to see if I missed anything. Um, no, that's, I think we got it. The movies? I think we did it. I think, I, I, I feel like we're not missing, like, one that should be hitting us in the face. I mean, the Power Rangers movie from the mid nineties probably wasn't as good as would you 
would you count I like remember it being... American Pie as like an awesomely bad movie? No, that that's what I was gonna bring up because I think Bandcamp is hysterical. Well, that, that's, but that's, that's got bad. like a five point like the naked mile. Yeah, it's pretty bad. The naked mile is terrible and then bait you know what? It's beta house. American Pie Beta House is one of the worst movies ever made, and I will sit and watch it every time. And I think it is absolutely hysterical. Yeah, I don't know. Even like the original series, you know, you got like obviously everybody loves Stifler, but just then you got like Kevin. He's just like the gayest. And yeah, Vicky but... got hot. What's that supposed to mean? <laughs> and then you got Ozstriker over there doing his cat, as in Scooby Dooby Doo. <laughs> They call me Nova, yeah. as in Casa Nova. It's just like how can <laughs> how can you like have that line in your script and be like, this movie is going to be an awesome movie. What what's the movie um, the the cats one where they have Tom the cats. bet and Tom Cats that that one's I up there I can't think too. of that guy's name with Jerry O'Connell. Jerry O'Connell. Jerry also O'Connell. Also cameo and can't and, hardly wait. Uh, can't forget. True, and then what's his um, name in that movie? Trip, oh, Trip McNeely. Trip, Trip McNeely. McNeely. <laughs> he he reminds everyone to bring flip flops uh, in the shower. Uh, yep, get warts all over your. Feet. But yeah, that that's an awesome bad movie for sure. Tom Cats. I forgot about that one. Mm-hmm. I missed that one. All right. Is there any is there any topics so, we're missing? Uh, Should we talk about our our beer what, sponsors? Yeah, let's take a moment to pause for our sponsors. Pizza Baron, what are you um, featuring this evening? I'm featuring uh, Rheingeist. Uh, it's since he made India Pale Ale called The Truth. It's one of my go-tos. Um, rare moments of truth when you're stuck, when you've struck the last match, belting out tunes with your friends, staring deep into the camp bar at times when you feel infinite. I'm not going to read the rest. That's all you need to know. They didn't pay me enough to read that. But uh, yeah, I've been enjoying two of those during this podcast, and uh, it's really getting me through my day. So glad to hear that. So I ran out of beer over here, <laughs> and I am currently drinking the Winking Owl, which is a very thrifty purchase from our is local Aldi. Water? Uh, it, it's a Cabernet Sauvignon. Wow. Uh, uh, from this year, it's uh, this year's vintage, and it costs a mean two dollars and eighty cents. So, uh, for an entire maybe, bottle, maybe this. I'm just, I'm just being maybe this being official into a budget podcast. Uh, Since you're a big well, Aldi's guy, I am, and we are also talking to each other on our phones instead of he- utilizing. We're trying know, to save energy. Podcast, yeah. We're trying to save the environment. So we're pro-environment here on this podcast. So the last topic, well, no, we have two more topics. Uh, we're really long-winded today. Um, the next one, Tesla was selling surfboards this past weekend for $1,500. And then today announced that they lost $713 million in um, Q2. All I wanted to say on this is if you're buying Tesla, Please stop. They are selling surfboards for $1,500 because they do not have any more cash and do not want to raise any more funding to dilute their shares. So they're 
making stupid shit. They're making all their executives work on the line to hit Model 3 production because they forecasted 500,000 vehicles per year and they're getting nowhere close to that. People are working godforsaken hours and this company is just a wreck. That's all I have to say. Yeah, two things with that. First of all, whose idea was it when they came into the boardroom to say, hey, maybe we should sell some surfboards. Like, that's a pretty good market for that. But wild move. Um, second of all, what is Elon Musk possibly going to his investors and saying at this point after losing, what did you say, $713 million? Yep. In co- in that Q2. was their, that's the cash they burned. And Q2, so, in one fourth of a year, three months, for those of you on and the metric Tesla system. Tesla is supposed to be this, this booming company. Like, what do you... Are you just going there and preaching patience? What what? I I just it blows my mind. The guy the guy's brilliant. So but can can he run a company? Uh, great question. So what he's been doing is saying, okay, well we're not hitting production here. We will, and then also we're going to open up in China, and then they're all they're looking into opening up a facility, a production facility in Europe. So you just kick the can down the line, essentially. You're saying, oh, we didn't make it here, but, you know, we're going to take our lessons learned to China. And then we're going to break into that market. P.S. China is the leader or trying to become the leader in electric vehicles by improving their electric grid for charging systems and then also giving heavy subsidies to electric vehicle manufacturers to produce in China. That's your fun fact of the day. So please write that down and don't tell us that you never learned anything on this podcast. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's, I got nothing. I wasn't expecting you to drop that kind of knowledge on me. Well, you know, that was for who's in Duluth? Donovan Minnesota? from Duluth. Donovan, Donovan. That, that one was for you. Um, but to answer your question, uh, besides kicking the can down the line and bringing up new ideas like new places to make it and forecasting unrealistic volume, I don't know how he keeps getting this money other than he is a very smart human being and it seems that he's very um, good at convincing investors to give him more money. So good for him in that regard. I just... I don't see a good ending for this company, regardless of how many smart people work there. Right. Um, wish him, you never root for someone to fail, but this $713 million in one quarter as your, as your burn it is not an indication of a good company. You, sh- you should short it. Bet against Tesla. Uh, yep. And again, if you take any of our stock advice and you make money, good for you and if you lose money you're an idiot for listening to us because we know nothing and let's get to our final topic so each week or each podcast we want to throw in a little tidbit about us personally uh, just so you get a better idea of who the people the people's commission the pizza baron are so we just wanted to tell one of our favorite stories um, from the college years back when we lived together in Ann Arbor. Pizza Baron, is there one that really comes to your mind? Um, that are podcast appropriate? Uh, yeah. I think Donovan, Donovan has like two kids. 
So let's keep Donovan it from PG. Has kids. Okay. Um, let let me. I might let me let me uh, do a long sigh of a long sigh as if I'm really like grasping for a story, and then I'll just tell the story I was going to tell anyway. Okay, perfect. I'm going to have a sip of this nice caver- Cabernet Sauvignon. Okay, so back to the story I was going to tell anyway. Um, it was a it was a Saturday, I believe. It was our senior year. Um, the the People's Commission and I were sitting in the library studying for an exam I think we had on Monday and he said hey I've been talking to Jordan who was our other roommate at the time I think we're gonna have a party tonight I was like oh cool he's like yeah you know all all of my buddies are coming into town from Grand Valley and Michigan State it's gonna be a good time Uh, we're gonna you know we're gonna start inviting people so we study for you know maybe another hour and we end up heading back to the house and we invited, like, we had a bunch of buddies on the lacrosse team because our freshman year roommate, Rob, played played lacrosse and lived in the lacrosse house. So we invited all those guys. I think we were hoping we could parlay the lacrosse team into a bunch of cute sorority girls coming to the party. Um, so we're, you know, we're setting up for the party. The guys from Grand Valley, Michigan State, get into town. It's probably 7, 8 o'clock. And I hear Andrew or it might have been Jordan posed the question hey do you think two kegs is going to be enough so we head off to our local Meyer. I think we went to Meyer and maybe our liquor store too pick up a keg pick up a couple half gallons makes we end up making like a five gallon tub of jungle juice and then get picking up a keg right so we come back to the house a slow start to the night but we're, we you know we start drinking there's probably 15 dudes i think jordan's friends from state came too so maybe 15 20 dudes not a single female in sight um lacrosse guys show up 10 30 10 45 11 o'clock rolls around nobody's there so all of a sudden our buddy rob goes all right 11 30 11 30 is the threshold if no one shows up like you literally had a party where no nobody came. So finally, 11.30 rolls around. Andrew and Jordan look at each other and are like, dude, did you invite anyone? And they both just simultaneously go, no, I thought you did. So neither, neither one of them invited anyone to the party. So we successfully had a party where not one person came. Not one. So we ended up just drinking the keg amongst 20 dudes and in a pool of our own slobber and, and that's the story that's how cool we were in college that's how we got yep. through a party where not one person came name another person that's done that <laughs> i can't that that is one of the more legendary stories that we have that continues to bring be brought up this day um despite it being 10 years no no it can't be 10 years Nine years? Uh, Eight years? It was 2012. It's been... Okay, six years. Jesus. My math is really good this evening. Um, I'm I'm trying to think of an appropriate one um, for the podcast. And so the Pizza Baron and I, we coordinated our... Halloween outfits for many years. We went as Bert and Ernie. Obviously, I was Bert because I'm taller. Kidding. I was Ernie. 
and we went to the lacrosse house for a Halloween party, you know, obviously coordinated outfits and had a great time. Um, one of the players was a DJ on the side. So he always, um, you know, set up all his equipment and played the music that we just screamed at him to. So great time. It was getting late in the night and we like to dance on elevated surfaces, much like all the, the videos surfacing around social media right now of girls on elevated surfaces. This was a very similar situation. And um, we were talking about going home because the next day was a football tailgate. So we wanted to be somewhat well rested for it. And the pizza Baron requested how bizarre by OMC, which is a awesome. great party Maybe song, awesomely mind bad. you. Awesomely bad. I'll, I'll give you that. And so we all proceed to jump onto elevated surfaces and the pizza baron jumped onto a rolling chair and proceeded to knock himself out. Now, the party stops. It's like the record scratch, like, and everyone's screaming um, for me to come over because <laughs> I'm dressed as Ernie um, to take care of him. And I'm yelling, get, a, get an ambulance. I pull up his, his Ernie Bert. mask and his... Er, yeah, Bert, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm dead behind uh, his mask, Bert mask. And, and his eyes are just white. They're, his pupils are, you know, pointed to the back of his head. <laughs> and we're all in a panic. And our friend Travis decides to just dump a beer on the pizza baron. <laughs> he instantly wakes up and just yells, dude, get off me. <laughs> like you were fine. And then, so obviously that's the end of the party for us. We were worried about CTE for you. You know, we take CTE very seriously, take you home, put you to bed. And you proceeded to wake us up at like seven in the morning the next day to tailgate and called us obscene names because we were not already awake, ready to go. So if you take anything away from this, uh, Donovan and Daniel, it's that the pizza baron, regardless of head close head injuries, is always ready for a Michigan football kit, tailgate. Yep. Couldn't have said it. Thanks for the endorsement. Couldn't have said it better myself. Yeah. So you go just cutting me down at the knees in your story, and I somehow spin just a potentially devastating event. I think you forgot positive, to mention that. So. First of all, we were wearing Bert and Ernie outfits. Second of all, there well, was, no, I did. There, that was there very was no, clear no throughout the story. Within, in arm's length of either of us, so not the best luck. And hey, I I had an awesome time, so couldn't care less. So yeah, how how bizarre is like uh, it's a trigger song for me now. <laughs> Do you get like mild yep. migraines yep. every time that song comes out? I, I can as you're reminded of slamming your head on the I wood just floor. Envision the uh, the world through Bert's eyes and that mask. I do. I do want to point this out that we always knew it was a good party when you would go into the room that the dance floor was on um, the next day, and there would be a blue line about butt height on the wall from everyone grinding yep. in their blue jeans. That's how you know it's oh, a yeah. party. 
put that in your back pocket. Anything else? Any, any other quick stories you want no, to bring out tonight? I don't, I don't tonight? think so. I think we've Pizza already Baron? taken up too much of everybody's time. The, their, their commute to work yeah, was over this w- 45 minutes ago. Well, maybe they can uh, listen to it on the way back. This was a bit more long-winded than we had intended, but obviously this is what we look forward to each week, a chance to reminisce, talk about bullshit, and never rehearse. So, um Thank you for joining us, Donovan and Daniel. This has been Let's Do It Live, episode three, and the streak of unrehearsed podcasts. Just dudes being dudes, no rehearsal.